tempered through fire, all survivors possess wisdom and grit. Reclaim power and revel in life. I'm Kelsey Harper. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a survivor and clinical psychologist, and this is The Initiated Survivor. Here, we discuss topics relevant to survivors, so please be mindful of your needs as some of these topics might be triggering. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast again. Today, I'm sitting with a guest, my friend, Jesse. And we're talking about why it's important to believe all survivors. And you're going to hear from Jesse today talk a little bit about how being believed or not being believed really changed her recovery story and how it really shaped her experience as a survivor. You're also going to hear more about what we do as survivors to help believe each other, knowing that this is a commitment to believe survivors and that there are going to be times when our own internalized rape culture, internalized misogyny can make it hard or make us question people and the skills that we use to practice to come back to believing survivors as a commitment and as the principle that we choose to live by. You're going to hear a brilliant idea from Jesse about what she finds is super important about believing survivors and where she comes from that helps her continue to uplift survivors and support survivors and really be there for them and play her own role in dismantling rape culture. So please welcome my fierce fucking badass friend, Jessie. All right. Welcome, Jesse. I'm so glad to have you here today to talk about why we believe all survivors. Uh, before we start, can you share your pronouns? Yeah, I am she, her. Okay, great. Thank you. So um, I started the podcast series with a solo episode. It's almost kind of like my mission statement of I believe all survivors and why I find that to be super important Um, and that I don't believe all survivors, if they convince me, I believe all survivors, I take it as like a commitment, you know, and a practice, a skill that I practice. And so I find that this is, and part of why it's, why it's important is because it is such a thread that is so common for every survivor story is whether or not they were believed and their relationship with being believed. Um, and even when they haven't even personally experienced it one-on-one experiencing it in the culture or community about being believed as a survivor altogether that it is part and parcel with being a survivor is about being believed and that I don't think that we can have any conversation about sexual violence or survivorship or dismantling rape culture without first starting from the premise that we believe all survivors And so this is something that's really important to me. What does it mean to you to believe all survivors? What does that kind of phrase mean to you? Um, I think it's, there's a two part thing of um, when someone shares their story with you, having no, no doubt that it is not accurate, no doubt they're remembering it incorrectly. You know, you're just taking it for um, saying, taking their story in for what it is, but then also, um, and this one I think is, is very important to me is believing survivors before they tell you. So if someone says, um, as entrusting their judgment with people is, oh, you know, that girl used to hang out with in the same group with that guy, all of a sudden she does not want anything to do with him. 
instead of berating her, telling her, why don't you want to hang out with him? He's a great guy. Being like, hmm, something, let's trust her judgment. And I think that's such a thing with people where you say, well, why did you stop hanging out with that person? What, why did you just shut him out? Or what did you, I don't know, not having to, being able to support and believe survivors without them even telling you what happened by just understanding something's up and we don't just cut people off for no reason. Yes. I love that you said that the believing all survivors before they even say anything and trusting their judgment, you know, as opposed to questioning it and coming in with almost like telling them that they have to do something different, gaslighting people before they even tell us anything. Right. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love that trusting survivors and believing them before they say anything coming from a place of trusting their judgment. Why do you think that's important? I think because it's it's hard to voice. I mean, it took me like 10 years to voice my story. So, um, but I spent a lot of time saying, hey, I I did get a weird feeling about this guy or I, you know, like trying to hint at things that have happened or whatever. And I hear like, well, he, he really likes you or, oh, he's actually a really good guy. And even like moving on to things where I feel like situations are more like sexual harassment-y and um, unwanted advancements. And I'm like, well, he's a really good guy. And like, you know, you don't understand him or he was drinking or I don't know. I've just been faced with a lot of challenges as to why I no longer hang out with certain people. And I feel like my life would be a lot easier if I could just say, yeah, I don't hang out with that guy anymore. And it's like, okay. (laughs) And sometimes I think, should I share my story about this with them? And then I'm like, they're not entitled to that information. They should trust my judgment. And uh, that's something that we can we can easily do for survivors without them having to go through a potential trauma of, you know, uprooting and sharing their story with us. We can actually support survivors without them doing anything except for just getting a feeling that they're uncomfortable around someone. Mm-hmm. And I like how you relate that to, you know, the in in a sense like feeling a sense of freedom to get to just do what feels right for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, that when we come from this premise that we believe survivors and in this way, also just, we're going to believe all women and all people when they come forward about things, or even before when they are making choices in their life and who's in their life, that it really validates for them that they get to decide for themselves, what life is going to be like, who's going to be there, what's happening to them. And restores a sense of power that might have gotten taken by gaslighting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Totally. It really helps us with making our decisions. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're drawing that line that connects, like when we engage, you know, when we are doubting survivors or we kind of second guess things or we challenge people's decisions, you know, we're communicating to them that their experience or their, their understanding of things isn't valid. And it makes it harder Mm -hmm. for people to make decisions for themselves or to act on their instincts when they're being told their instincts are wrong, or they should just ignore them because like, oh, he's a good guy. Yeah. God, if I had a dollar every time I hear he's a good guy, uh, I wish I had a dollar. I'd be able to run the world. And I was like, we'd be, we would all be raking in the dough, all (laughs) of us. Um. I think, you know, that one of the things that comes to my mind and 
and I like how you're kind of turning this on the head too, on its head of like, rather than coming from a place of second guessing someone and forcing them to convince you about anything, you know, about why they have a weird feeling about something, why they didn't like what happened to them um, or about, you know, that they were assaulted rather than making people convince you or justify to you their feelings of just accepting that and, and moving on from that. Um, but that I also believe there's, there's actually no harm caused by believing survivors or in, in even with mm-hmm. what you're bringing up of like believing them before they even say anything, there's actually no harm in that, you know, and that people are always afraid. They always bring up the whole, like, well, what about false reports? And what if she just wants attention or a settlement? And it's like, that's not actually a thing. The statistics have shown it's not the thing. It's not really mm-hmm. a threat, you know, to anybody. Um, on top of that, like the kind of harm that is caused when survivors do come forward, mm-hmm. especially when when the person that they are reporting ha- this happened um, or this that perpetrated this is somebody who is famous. Um, mm-hmm. Like the amount of terror and horror that survivor is going through is profound. Yeah, and the fact that it's that people pretend like I don't know, like, like all this attention they're getting. And I'm like, no one likes that attention. No one wants to be known as the man or woman that was assaulted by whoever. Like, no one's like, oh, yeah, I'm dying to be that person. Like, it's it's just this idea that we're running around trying to get attention is just, like, absolutely insane. Right. On top of that, it's also just like, wouldn't, I mean if somebody is out there harming people, don't we want to bring attention to that issue? Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's, it's also, it's ultimately kind of that, you know, again, that, that misogyny that we practice that like all these things that are normal responses, even of like, Hey, this person did something wrong. This person did something wrong. Help me get help, help me write that is actually a very valid, normal, healthy response, mm-hmm. you know, but when it's somebody who is reporting sexual violence, especially, and most often when it's perpetrated um, by men, it's, there's victim blaming that comes out, a lot of responsibility being thrown around and the sense of that, like, well, you wanting attention for that is a bad thing, right? You wanting mm-hmm. to call attention to this is terrible or you wanting any kind of reparation for what happened to you that destroyed your life is terrible also. But yeah. It's this ironic thing of people don't want their childhood, finding out their childhood heroes are, um, are predators, but then, and so they want to stay with that. But then it's like people assaulted should move on, even though you can't move on from being a five-year-old looking up to whatever basketball Mm -hmm. player. (laughs) I like how, uh, survivors know exactly who we're talking about and what's happening. <laughs> and yeah, that was one of the thoughts that occurring to me too. And I'm going to talk about it more at length about how we put the burden of like, quote unquote, understanding somebody's complete lifespan, that they, mm-hmm. their complete story, that they're not just a predator or a perpetrator. Mm-hmm. They're also this amazing person who did wonderful things for the community and also had children and a wife and daughters and learned their lesson. We put the burden of holding that whole truth of the person on survivors. Survivors are supposed to be okay. Or like you said, like just move on and, and get over it. 
And we're supposed to hold this whole story and be like, okay, well, this person isn't all bad, quote unquote. We don't put that burden on the people around in the community, on the people who hero worship a person who really just want to look at and reflect upon only the goodness. And they Mm -hmm. do not want that experience of their hero, their idol, the person they really respect and look up to that, that idea, that fantasy being tarnished in any way. And so survivors have to carry the burden of that. And we have to swallow our feelings and we have to kind of cope with again and again, a culture that uplifts perpetrators and vilifies victims and survivors. Um, And how wildly, like not only unfair and unjust that is, but just total like crazy making that is. Mm-hmm. We have to hold this whole picture of the person. I'm like, are you, are you the one coming forward and being like, I'm so, so sad. It's his, the anniversary of his death. And he was such a great guy and a horrible rapist. And we had to set laws to regulate how you manage survivors coming forward because he doxed and threatened violence against his victim. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Yeah, like, exactly. No, nobody's telling that story. Um, and the people, in my opinion, and I, this is why, like, I'm really into true crime. I know you know this, but <laughs> I can't get into, like, anything cults because, like, those crazy religious organizations that always have that, like, guy at the top that, oh, we find out he's a sexual predator and, like, and they all know about it and they're all okay with it. And which, in my book, makes them all guilty as well mm-hmm. because you are the reason that this person is still able to do what they want to do. And um, I don't know, it's just this idea that you know someone is a sexual predator and you're okay with it because you like their songs or their, what, you know, their books or their sports or whatever. I'm like, how much Mm -hmm. do you have to like music? Like, I don't know. You really like that person's songs that much. They're like, Chris Brown's music. Isn't that good? (laughs) Lattes. (laughs) <laughs> those are fighting words Jesse right <laughs> um no but really like it uh and and that's the thing that I think stand like now that you're saying this because yeah it's not like the person's contribution to society was just so invaluable and couldn't come from anywhere else that we have to do all this work to um you know idolize them that I think it's really just it's it's a vehicle then that we use to be able to continue to express, you know, misogyny and rape culture and white supremacy that seems justified, right? That we can, we can talk about this because it's justified that like, well, we really like his songs. We really like his music. Well, she should have known um, X, Y, Z, whatever. Right. And I mean, this coming out also when, you know, incredibly important elections are happening, mm-hmm. um, you know, and political leaders having allegations and having people make very, very conflicted reports in the sense of on one side, they're like, that person did this bad thing. We believe all survivors. And then on the other side, like, well, maybe not this one, not this survivor, because yeah. totally. this is about our candidate. And it's like, hmm. We're putting that burden again on survivors. Like the weight of our our political climate is now on survivors to bear that as well. Um, And it really is just like we get 
justified expression of our fear um, Mm -hmm. and our willingness to continue to cooperate with rape culture. Yeah. You know, and, and act as though that's not what's happening. And uh, just in case Chris Brown's lawyers are listening to this, I think I, I was thinking when I was thinking more of abuse instead of like sexual abuse. So I know there are no known <laughs> instances of sexual abuse with Chris Brown. There's just allegedly physical abuse, um, which isn't much better, but um, so that his lawyers don't come for me. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> the word that saves us all. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> Chris Brown's lawyers are really into uh, survivor podcasts. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect that going well for them if they tried. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so coming back for for you, like, how has being believed when you've either shared your story or you've even just had the experience of people believing you before you share your story, like you were talking about before? How has that affected you? Um, being believed for sharing my story has really validated my feelings. It's brought me closer to a lot of people, uh, about 50% of people of women that I have shared this story, my story with have said they have had some sort of sexual abuse of some kind, which was so much higher than I would have anticipated it to be. And that's just people who have shared with me. Um, and I say women because I have opened up more to women. I know that is there are many men who unfortunately have mm-hmm. encountered sexual abuse, not to say they, they haven't, I just haven't opened up to them as much. Cause I, I don't know, I open up to women more easily, but, mm-hmm. and in terms of not being believed before sharing stuff, there's, there's definitely a few people in my life that I, well, definitely there's been many instances of like getting a weird feeling from a guy, getting harassed by a guy um, and stuff like that. And being told like, Oh, he's a good guy. And just, that's just crazy making. Like it just, mm-hmm. it's, fills you with so much frustration because you don't feel like that person deserves to know your story um, because they don't, Mm. they don't respect your boundaries. And, but at the same time, you're like, if I told them they would understand with them, like, would they? And Mm. um, so that's definitely affected me a lot as I've gotten older and created more boundaries between myself and sketchy guys that seem to be everywhere (laughs) in my, uh, in my twenties, now that I'm like, I've kind of weeded out now that I don't go to bars anymore and I don't, I'm not in college anymore. And I'm, I don't know, somehow getting out of nightlife and partying less. Amazing. You don't encounter as many creeps staying inside and only hanging out with your close circle, uh, which I'm very into. So not saying that not shaming anyone for partying. It's very fun. Um, I've just kind of, sure, we're it. just shaming people that go there to do predatory things. Yeah, exactly. Don't ruin the party, dude. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's that combination of like, when I actually share my story, I'm very supported, but they're the people that I don't feel like deserve to hear my story because they're going to give me reasons why it wasn't or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that puts a barrier between you and that person, which is sad, but um, it's, you know, your relationship with them is only going to grow to a certain point before it's stunted. I think that's a powerful piece to share because it's definitely like a meme that goes around all the time where it's like, so-and-so is not going to hear you doubt her story, but you know, your friend, mm-hmm. your family member will, and they're not going to tell you. And, you know, 
and and that is actually a real thing, right? You know, like you're describing when we hear people doubt anybody's story, we know they are not trustworthy for ours. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a barrier of like, well, this one part of my life, I'm not going to share. It's like, I can't share any part of my life with Mm -hmm. you because I know that you believe that my existence is less important than my perpetrator's ability to do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's what, that's the rule that you're applying to this other person, that their existence matters less than that person's right to do what they want. And, and particularly to do harm. And so people go underground, you know, and our relationships get severed. And I think that And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't, I wonder if people think about that when they post those things on social media, you know, or they make those kinds of comments, because sometimes it's a very clear thing of like, oh, I don't believe her, blah, 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 you know, but sometimes it's also more subtle, you know, when we hear people say things like, she should not be wearing clothes like that, Mm -hmm. you know, or, oh my gosh those are come fuck me heels kind of things. Like those Mm -hmm. are rape culture things that we say that are just kind of off the cuff and, and very casual, but set that tone of like, Oh, you actually, you, you believe in the victim blaming stories and narratives that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And like my favorite, why, why was she doing out at three in the morning? uh Like men being, yeah. Yeah. What was she doing? What did she expect? Was she by herself? What are you thinking God. walking alone at night? Yeah. In America. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it was one of those things also, um, one of the little like viral social media phenomenons where someone posted like, if men had a curfew at sunset, women, what would you be doing? And like mm-hmm. the comments and you read through them and I read through them and it was just like, I started bawling as I'm reading them because they were so simple. It was things like, mm-hmm. I'm going to take a walk and not be afraid and get to enjoy the stars and hear the crickets, you know? And it was stuff like where it's like, I'm just going to enjoy the world, the nighttime part mm-hmm. of the world that I don't get to enjoy. Yeah. Because I mean, we just- rush home because we, surround ourselves with people we make sure we're in well-lit areas where we can't see the stars you know Mm -hmm. and we don't we don't linger anywhere yeah just this morning I uh wanted to go on a run it was like I woke up at like 5 30 and I wanted to go on a run but it was like still a little dark and I just thought hmm like I don't know I just don't feel safe and and we especially don't feel safe when people are telling us that basically if you go out at night by yourself you deserve to get murdered or assaulted or whatever because what were you doing what did you expect mm-hmm. and uh right it's so stupid or like even just recently with um the murder that happened in london and the perpetrator was still at large and so the police put a curfew on women to protect them and it was like you knew the perpetrator was a man why didn't you go ahead and put a curfew on men mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's crazy. That would solve yeah. the problem. So I, I think for me, like being believed was, I noticed for me, it was like the, there was kind of definitely this visceral response of like opening and relaxing of this like sense that like, yeah, I don't have to contain this anymore and I don't have to hold this. 
And especially like that sense, because especially in our culture there, I think every survivor is ready to go with their list of like, here's how I can prove that it was assault Mm -hmm. and that it was that I did everything that I could to prevent it from happening and to sit with somebody where, you know, you don't need that list and you don't need it because they understand, they really, truly get it. You know, that sexual assault is something that someone should never do to a person. It's not a burden or the responsibility of the victim or survivor to be doing everything to prevent it. You know, that it's, it's actually something that like predators should be doing everything they can to not do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but also just like being in a space of being just known and held safely, like that sense of being, being held like kind of emotionally by somebody that, that believes you or that, you know, is going to believe you on top of that, you know, just like what you were saying of like trusting and believing survivors before they share what they say, you know, when somebody says like, oh yeah, I'm not hanging out with that person or even when it has nothing to do with sexual assault, but it's like, yeah, I had a falling out with my friend being like, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. believing them, you know, for me, when I've had those kinds of validating experiences, it has actually helped me become closer to knowing who I am and trusting myself. Like, right. It was a valid choice to say no to this. It was okay to do these kinds of things um, and really help clarify some of these things for me. One of the things that I think is super important about this commitment is to acknowledge that we're also all human that live in rape culture. And so we're not going to be perfect at believing survivors all the time. And we Mm -hmm. are sometimes going to make rape culture comments, whether direct or indirect, implicit or explicit. Um, And that's part of why I say it's like it's a commitment and a practice. And it's something that is always going to be growing and I'm going to be working on. And so for you, what are some of the things that you do to practice making sure that you're staying in alignment with the value of believing survivors? Just remove any sort of like any factors of what, you know, what this person looks like, what, what their occupation is, how they met the person, like just remove that and just say like, I believe the person. And I think people are especially anytime like sex workers come into the mix Mm -hmm. it's always like oh but like that's their they have a high what do they say they have a high risk occupation or something Mm -hmm. like that so ridiculous but um I think having to being able to remove where it's like you know what like I think someone a man could rape his wife you know Mm -hmm. just because there's no situation that you're like exempt from being sexually abused or assaulted than if you were to like have clear and ongoing consent. That's the only instance. And so, um, yeah, like the, the biggest thing with, with rape culture is, um, more talking to myself and being like, like, as we were talking about it another, or we were just talking about this, where I, I will say things where I'll be like, Oh, I was at a party and I was like drinking a lot and I was hanging out with sketchy people. And I was, you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a way to be like, Oh, well, like I was setting myself up for this. But um, then I have to correct myself and be like, no, you're allowed to go to a party and drink a lot and even hang out with sketchy people. You're allowed to hang out with sketchy people and just not get sexually assaulted as a result. Um, And um, sometimes sketchy people are really fun. (laughs) They're fun until they're not. (laughs) But um, high risk, high rewards game. (laughs) (laughs) 
right? <laughs> Play stupid games. But yeah, so that's something that I, I still am working on of being like, of not making excuses for why it happened as though it was my fault. Mm. I like that, that like the first place that you really practice this is how you look at the way you, you talk about yourself and you think about yourself. Cause I think that it's so easy that we can apply these rules to everybody else. Like we're like, yes, this is an important value of mine. And I can believe all survivors. I can't believe myself, you know, or I can't mm-hmm. free myself from the obligations that rape culture puts on me or victim blaming puts on me, you know, that I have to look a certain way or act a certain way. Um, you know, that I have to know the right skills and know, know all the, the right things and make all the right decisions in order to prevent this. Um, and even what we how like you said, how we describe our own stories, the different, different kind of add-ons, that kind of implicit victim blaming that's there, you know, <clears throat> and being able to recognize the, the play of rape culture in our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, For me, you know, things that I practice around being able to stay in a place of believing survivors um, is really similar to what you're saying of like starting from a place of like, I'm going to first say yes, like when, when someone says this happened to me, I'm going to be like, yes. And then, and then from there, you know, move through it of what are they trying to tell me? What is important for me to know about this person? For many, for many survivors, I would even be willing to say almost all, if not all survivors, telling your story is the beginning. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much more about that experience and about your recovery journey and about the life that you build and the things that you go through where sharing your story, being believed is the beginning, um, the very, very beginning and that there's so much more that comes from that. And when I focus on moving towards that, like what is coming next? What is important to come next? Um, that makes it easy to let go of, you know, the internalized gaslighting, the rape culture voice within me. And sometimes the gaslighting comes from within, for me at least, right. where I'll be like, like, I still do this, where I'll be like, was I actually assaulted? Or was it, you know, and like, and even just like, like I have bipolar too. And sometimes I'll say to my husband, I'll be like, I don't know if I really have bipolar too. I wonder if it's just like, you know, and he's like, no, you've been diagnosed and you've been given medication that's helped. And it's like, we should view it as the same thing where it's like, no, I've processed this. I've gone to therapy mm-hmm. and the treatments that they've given me in therapy have helped me. It's, I have been diagnosed with something that has been treated. Like we don't mm-hmm. see it as a clinical diagnosis all the time. At least I don't. And so sometimes the gaslighting comes from within Yeah. Like the internalized gaslighting, you know, that we get of like, I can't trust myself and my senses. And so we go back through and we go, was it real? Did it really happen? Did I misunderstand something? And oftentimes, because that's, those are the messages that of the gaslighting coming towards us. Well, you must've misunderstood, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there, there must've been some confusion about what was going on, or maybe he didn't really know that when you were saying no, what that meant you know, Mm -hmm. and we internalize that and we go, okay, well, maybe, maybe that, that was the, what happened. And I know for me, like the internalized gaslighting, a lot of how it started was this place of like, 
even if I could accept and really admit like this was assault, there was something still about it that felt like I did something very, very wrong. I -hmm. failed. The mission of all women is to somehow make it through their life, preventing all the harm from happening to them. And I totally failed Mm -hmm. that. And so there was this tremendous amount of shame is like failing as a, as a woman or as a person um, from preventing this from happening. And this is also why it was so valuable to hear stories and to be believed was because it was like, actually, that was never our job. It was never my job to try to do that. And it's not our job to do that, you know, and that with the way the world is set up, like there's very few of us, if any, that are going to make it out of here without something terrible happening at some point, um, Mm -hmm. which is also what we want to change. Mm -hmm. So if you had This is a little bit of an add-on question, an intentional (laughs) surprise question. If you had something you wanted to tell a survivor who is keeping their story private right now out of fear or out of whatever reason, what do you want them to know about being believed? Wait until you're ready, whether that's right after or, you know, 10 years if you're me. And um, once you share with someone, their reaction says more about them than it does about you. Mm-hmm. And if they, I've told people that have really recoiled and have not, not said that they didn't believe me, but have just something just shut off. And then I, I know, okay, I didn't make them uncomfortable. It wasn't something about my story and what I said, it's something that happened to them. And so if someone's not believing you, um, it's very likely that they've had something similar and they don't want to face it. And so I think learning just as uh, just a general life lesson I've learned is everything is mostly every reaction you get from someone is mostly something going on in their head. Mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on here tonight. It's been so great getting to talk to you about this stuff and getting to share your wisdom and your insight with the world. Um, and yeah, thank you again. Cool. Thanks for having me. I am a clinical psychologist and love to share these skills and tips to build resilience and recovery. However, this podcast is not a replacement for psychotherapy or mental health care. We have links in our show notes where you can connect with a provider or you can get a referral from your primary doctor if you wish to receive those services. If you are struggling today or wish to speak to someone, know that RAIN is always available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to offer support, guidance, and referrals for help. You can speak to someone right now at RAIN at the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. The Initiated Survivor is a podcast written and hosted by me, Kelsey Harper. It is produced and edited and all around awesome podcast magic is casted by Sam Valentine. The beautiful music you heard is written and performed by Michael Carpenter Jr. If you wish, please leave us a sweet review so other survivors can find this podcast and get connected as well.